Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Today we're going to talk about how we can help each other grow. And uh, we're at about the midway point, just over it, of our 40 days of community, talking about our relationships, strengthening one another, how to encourage one another, uh, and meet needs, and grow in our depth. And uh, we're just really excited about the heart changes that are already occurring, and we're going to continue that today. But in Romans 12, verse 5, this has been kind of a theme every week. It kind of, you know, goes above all the things we're talking about. And it just says, in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You know, we're excited that in Christ... God put us together with others, that he didn't just create you and Jesus. No, he gave us a lot of others, too, because we got to practice. we got to grow in our love. we got to get good at loving each other because that's what we're going to do for an eternity. And I'm excited that when we're together, there's all different strengths that are brought to the table. I had a roommate in college that had a CD it's, uh, you know, for some of you younger ones, it's like a, you know, kind of a shiny disc like that. But uh, the whole CD was Louie Louie. 17 versions of Louie Louie from 17 different bands. And he would play this. Louie Louie. Oh, well. And I was like, I got so sick of that song. I'm like, Rod, what are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm sick of Louie Louie. And he goes, no, it's awesome because it's such a great song. And then every band gets to do their version of it. And I go, yeah, but, you know, it's really kind of a boring song anyway. And then 17 different bands playing the exact same thing. You're like, it, you know, that's like torture. You know, on Friday night, we had the Teens Got Talent Night. Now, it was awesome being there. I cannot imagine what it would have been like if every teen said, tonight, I'm going to sing Louie Louie. And you're going to hear every member of the teen ministry individually sing Louie Louie. I probably still would have gone to support our awesome teen ministry, but it would have been a different experience. You know, because it would have been all the same thing. You know, I wouldn't have got to find out, you know, Jimmy Horton's moves. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I had no idea. It's very impressive. Some incredible singing happened. I had no idea that five of our teen men had such skills in synchronized swimming. It was epic. Uh, it was a phenomenal event. It was so encouraging to be there. Lots of talents. And it was just a great event. And I actually have an idea for another teen fundraiser. This one's called The Parents of the Teens Got Talent. Now, you got to wait. you got to wait. And I think we should require the parents of the children that performed have to do the exact same skit that their child did. 
I think we could at least charge 20 bucks per person, but we would have to restrict all recording devices uh, would not be allowed. So anyway, you know, teens, you can think about that. I thought that would be a really good fundraiser. It would be really entertaining. But the fact is, it's a diverse group, and we're thankful. And one of the things that we can think about, but not always verbalize, is giving affirmation to one another. You can think good things and never verbalize it. And you know what? We help each other grow when, when we affirm each other's worth. You know, when we tell something, you know, something good to somebody, that makes them feel good about themselves. That means I value you that I took time to tell you what I noticed in you that was great. Now, remember where we started on this, we're talking about diversity. Because, see, sometimes what we appreciate is the strengths that other people have that are in the category of things that we value the most. Meaning, if they're good at what we're good at, then we really appreciate that. But you know what we can find annoying? Things that we don't like. And sometimes we think, wow, you know, the way that is, is really annoying. But sometimes we're good at verbalizing how annoying somebody is. Like our children at certain times, they go through that squirrely noise phase. It's not a word. It's just a, a weird noise. And why they persist in making those, I don't know, but it's a squirrely noise phase. And if you raise kids, you know what I'm talking about. And so we don't tell them the things we appreciate about them, but we definitely tell them if they're doing something that annoys us. You know, we have to be purposeful about accepting one another. And I want to uh, go a little bit later in Romans 15, and, and let's read verse 7 together. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring you praise to God. Now, so what's the standard of how we're supposed to accept? Well, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's exactly how Jesus accepted us. Can you imagine if Jesus said, you know what, I died for you on the cross and I really want to accept you. But I'm not going to unless you're perfect like I am. Then I will dish out some acceptance and let you come on in to my family. You know, Jesus could tell us, oh, I, I, I love you so much. It's just, you know, you really got to change about a thousand things in your life. You know, just so that you're perfect. And then... I will offer salvation to you. You know, each one of us is so thankful that that is not what Jesus did for you or for me. But he says, hey, I love all of you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You're awesome. Yes, I died for you on your good day, and I died for you on your bad day. I love you. You can't do anything that would change how I feel about you. You go, man, that, that's awesome. He says, you know what? Turn around and accept other people exactly the same way. 
They say, so, so how can you affirm other people? Be excited about ways that they are different from you. Verbalize it. Here's a good way. Here's a good practical. I've noticed that you are really good at, and then whatever it is. You know, it was, it was pretty awesome yesterday. Got to uh, attend a few soccer matches. You know, they're kind of the end of the AYSO season, the playoffs. And, and uh, you know, three of our young men were playing, Mark Felici, Logan Valdiviezo, and uh, Brandon Nicholas. And I got to watch them all play. And it was so fun watching those young men get out there and run and work hard. You know what? Mark Felici, he was amazing as goalie. And the stops that he made was so athletic. And he had some serious hops far higher than his father can jump. I mean, it was, it was impressive. There was one that was bouncing going over his head. I was like, oh, no. Man, he elevated. Got that thing in the air. It was spectacular. And then I watched Logan, and he was left fullback. And I told him before the game, I go, Logan, that's the, that's the position that I played when I played soccer. I go, I love it. I love trying to stop their goal scores. He was amazing how he would stop the ball and he has this powerful left foot and he would just launch that ball and it'd end up all the way down in the other field, you know, so he'd get the ball and boom, send it to the other end just the way you want. Then it was spectacular. And then I was fired up watching Brandon and I, I it was exciting because I was actually standing next to Norm and Brandon scored two goals. And his teammates would give him a hard time because he's one of the, you know, at that age, growth spurts hit differently. So in the team huddle up, they had some teammates that were more than a foot taller than Brandon. He was the MVP of the game. And his first goal crossed it and he ran in and headed it into the net. I mean, it was just the way a coach would want to draw that up. You know, it was, it was amazing. They, you know, they lifted him on their shoulders at the end of the game and all that. But, you know, Logan and Mark and Brandon, I was just proud of watching them and the different things that they were good at. And after the game, I, I told man, you did such an awesome job in this way. And, you know, some teams won, some teams lost, and it's hard because I hate to lose and they hate to lose. But, you know what, it was amazing just to watch what they do and verbalize. We are surrounded by people that do so many things incredibly well. So we got to look for them and then go out of your way to say, I noticed how good you are at this. You know, accept one another. Now, the second thing that we do to affirm each other's worth is to give special attention and go, go to the book of Galatians in chapter 6. Galatians 6, in verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong into the family of believers. You know that word, especially? That means, hey, they get priority access. You know, if you travel, you appreciate priority access. 
if you go on Southwest, you want that, what is it, double A line? You know, like you get to pick the good seat. And, the, and, and there's like strategy to it. You know, it's like uh, you get to check in before everybody else. And if you have a carry-on, it gets to make sure that it fits in the cab, you know, above and you don't have to gate check it so you have to wait i mean you know you're excited i remember growing up as a kid dad was a dentist and mike and i we just come to dad's dental office and we just we just run wherever we wanted and dad would be working on a patient we'd run in there and give him a hug and hey what are you doing what are you fixing in their mouth and we'd climb up on him and look in there and hey dad what's wrong with their teeth what are you doing you know, th- there was no, like, professional restrictions for us because we were his sons. It was like, do, do not intrude at this moment. It was like, no, what's, it was dad. We can do what we want. There was, you know, there was the Dr. Hammer dental office phone number, and then there was the private line. And so we would call the private line and go, hey, Charlotte, can we speak to dad? And she'd be like, hold on. You know, it's like you get priority access. You know, the Bible says we got to give priority access to the family of believers. I remember we had a conference in London. And it was an international campus conference. And the program got done. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And everybody was starving. So... We're like, let's go down to, it was either Hard Rock or Planet Hollywood. I can't remember what it was near our hotel. But I went to the concierge, and I go, you know, where do you recommend? We have a group of 20. It's a Saturday night. And he said, well, getting access for a group of 20 is rough. But he goes, you know what? Hard Rock gave me these, like, little concierge cards. It's just little business cards that says concierge access. And he goes, Give this to the guy at the front and see if you can, you know, do any good. So we show up, a group of 20. There's probably, you know, 50 people standing in line outside. And I walk up there and I go, you know, we've got a a group of 20. And the guy's like, yeah. And I go, and the concierge gave me this card. And he looks at it and he goes, sir, bring your entire group right up here. Um, We'll get you seated right away. The people, the 50 people in line were so bitter. (laughs) They were mad. I cannot repeat what they were saying to us. They were not praising us for our strengths and wisdom to get the little concierge card. Just this little card. But we got in while there was waited. You know what people want? You know how people feel valued? When you give them time in your life. Kids want your time, mom and dad. They want your time more than they want stuff. Now, they like stuff. But they would much rather have you. And you know how... You know how to feel valued with each other? Give each other time. We're all busy. We we have stuff going on, and it's not going to end. Make time for each other. You say, hey, we ought to get together. Do not do that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And then that's it. 
No, just get, get your calendar out and schedule it right then and there. Figure it out. Why? Because I value you so much, I will make time for you. You know one of the, the biggest time wasters now? TV and the Internet. You know, they did, a, they did a survey. The average number of hours that people in the United States watch TV or surf the Internet per day, five to six hours. Average. That's average. So some of you are higher than that. Others of you are less than that. But just to put that in perspective, that means that every year you take 91 days and you don't sleep, you don't eat, you don't shower, you don't go anywhere, but you sit in front of the TV or your computer, and all you do is look at that 91 24-hour days in a row. That's the average amount of time spent. Now, I want you to think about that stat and say, do you really not have time to get with that person? You know, when we give special attention to each other in our schedules, when we make time, whether it's hospitality or just going to see a movie together or just having a talk, we feel valued. So give special attention. And then the final area on this is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's give respect and appreciation. And this is still affirming each other's worth. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 and 13. It says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. It says, Hey, give respect, give appreciation. You know, who are the people among you that work hard? that serve, that help you. They do it day after day after day, or maybe on a weekly basis, and life passes by unnoticed. Now, here's a challenge. Stop somebody, like, like you know, your, your postal worker. Just stop them. The next time you hear stuff getting put in your mailbox, open the door and go, I just want to thank you for delivering my mail. Rain or shine, they deliver the mail. You know, how about the person who picks up your trash? <laughs> how about the people that served you communion? How about the people that run the sound? How about, how about those that carry the gear out and set it up? The practice, they set up the book table. They count the money. They teach your kids in Sunday school or on Tuesday night. You know, we have people in our lives around us all the time. They're helping us spiritually. They're helping us just, you know, with different chores. Stop and say thank you. 
you know, if somebody that you really, really esteem did something for you, you would probably fall all over yourself thanking them for what they did. But stop somebody dead in their tracks and express appreciation. Do it on a regular basis. You'll you'll be amazed by the response because they're not used to it. Give respect and give appreciation. All right, so, so we help each other grow by affirming each other's worth. We do that by accepting each other, good, bad, and the ugly, by giving special attention, making time, and by giving respect and appreciation and verbalizing those things. The second thing we can do to help each other grow is to pray for each other. And if you haven't seen the movie War Room, I highly recommend it. It's just a, a really um, inspiring movie, and it will help your prayer life. Uh, it's called War Room, but um, Sean and I saw it about a week and a half ago, and it, it was just it was awesome. But um, it talks about your prayer life. But um, in Colossians chapter four, you know there there was a guy that Paul knew, disciple in the church, and and he had such an amazing prayer life, but. Paul wanted to highlight one specific aspect in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. So he's like, hey, your buddy says hi. And then he says, he is always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I want to meet Epaphras one day. Because you go, that guy's got such an amazing prayer life that here's Paul closing out his letter to the church in Colossae. And he goes, Epaphras says hi. And you know what? Let me tell you something. That guy is always wrestling in prayer for you. Man, I want people like Epaphras praying for me. I hope you pray for me because I need it. I need it every day. I'm praying for you. You know, one of my favorite things I try and do every year is have you guys put little note cards and just write, you know, prayer requests and, and just, you know, what are you praying? What somebody you're praying for? A situation in this, and what's on your heart? Where are you trying to grow? What's you know? And it's just like little snippets, and then to be able to go through those because you know what happens when you pray for people, you get bonded to them. They're they're on your heart, and throughout the day you're thinking about, hey, I wonder how this is going in their life, and you know what's God doing, and you know, and then. You just take all those prayers together, and God does amazing things. Now, I want to read some things that the Bible tells you to pray for, but I'm not giving you the references until after I read the verse, because I just want you to let this sink in. But you can write down these references. He says, I pray that you can feel and understand how long Wide and deep and high is the love of Christ. He just says, man, I, I just, I, I pray that you can come to grips with the love of Christ.
Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 was that reference. Another prayer. I pray that you will be eager to do what is right. Now, notice what the prayer is. He didn't say, I pray that you will do what is right. He said, no, I pray that you will be eager to do what is right. You know, that's kind of, you know, I want to want to do good. You know that one? I just don't want to do good. I really want to want to want to do good. It's a motivation issue. And that's what he says, hey, I'm praying for you. Not that you do what's right, but that you'll be eager to do what's right. You know, parents, that's a good prayer to pray for your kids. We should not be satisfied if they do what's right. We're not trying to make Pharisees of our kids. Oh, good. As long as they do it on the outside, who cares what the condition of their heart is? I'll be fine. No, we're trying to train the heart. We want them to be eager to do what's good. Not just willing to do it if we get mad at them. That's not, that's not how we're trying to parent. Okay? So eager to do what is right. That's Hebrews thirteen twenty one. I pray... That God will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him. Man, somebody's going through a rough time and you know it? That's an awesome prayer. I pray that God will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him. Romans fifteen thirteen. He says, I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom. You ever need that? You know what? The life decisions where it's like, okay, this side of the choice is totally sinful. And this side of the choice is completely righteous. Hmm, wonder what I should do. You know what? Those are easy. You don't really need wisdom for that. You just need, you know, the Bible to tell us what's right or wrong. You know what you need wisdom for? It's the decisions where it's not really an issue of sin. It's just certain decisions that you have in front of you. And do I take path A or path B or path C? I don't know what's right. Should we rent this place? Should we buy this? Should we do this? What about this career? What about this education choice? What about these activities for the kids? What about this? What about that? You know, we need wisdom for that. And Paul said in Ephesians 1 verse 17, he goes, I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom. You know, another good reference, James 1, 5 right there. You know, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He'll give it freely without finding fault. You know, if you did a bad job and procrastinate and you got a big exam tomorrow, do your best but pray that James 1, 5 prayer. God, please give me wisdom beyond the hours that I studied because I need it. Um, How about this one? I pray that the Lord will direct your heart into God's love and Christ's perseverance. That your heart gets immersed in God's love. You say, who might need that? Well, somebody who's guilty. Somebody who's ashamed, doesn't like who they are. This is Christ's perseverance. Who needs perseverance? All of us at one point or another. 
that we pray for Christ's perseverance. Well, somebody that's struggling in an area and they want to be victorious and the victory is not there yet. And they're hoping they're going to be able to last. That you pray that prayer for them. That's Second uh, Thessalonians 3, verse 5. Another prayer. That God may strengthen you with power through His Spirit. Who needs that? Somebody who's weak. I'm trying, but I feel weak. I don't have the energy. I don't have the motivation. I don't have the strength. I want to. But I just feel like I'm failing, that I I just can't get there. Paul said, I'm going to pray that you have power through his spirit. That's Ephesians 3, 16. Then the last example I'm going to use. He said, I'm going to pray that God develops maturity in you so that you get along with one another. You know what the point is there? Hey, I want to help you in your relationships. He said, I'm going to pray that God develops maturity in you. You know, because if you think about it, if you're like Jesus, mature, you're going to have good relationships. That doesn't mean everybody's going to like what you stand for. But your relationships can be good. You know, I remember early on as a, as a young uh, married guy uh, doing marriage counseling. Uh, the Lord has a sense of humor. And uh, so the first ministry Cheryl and I led in Hamilton, Ontario, a steel town about an hour west of Toronto. We had three couples that we mentored personally that had been married 35 years or longer. So we had seven days of marriage. And then we started leading them. And I remember asking a brother, I go, okay, you know, I'm not an insecure person, but I am kind of wondering, like, how much help am I going to be to these three couples in particular that have been married longer than I've been alive, and we have seven full days of experience? And he said, you're going to do just fine. I said, well, how do you know that? And he goes, because marriage counseling is listening to the husband talk about how he's a sinner. And the wife talk about she's a sinner. And sometimes the wife talks about how the husband is a sinner. And the husband talks about how the wife is a sinner. And he goes, and then you just call both of them to be righteous and like Jesus. And then their marriage will improve. I'm like, oh, I can do that. But, you know, you think about what causes problem in our relationships, and if you just kind of boil it down, what's the sin that I need to repent of? And the other person's, what's the sin I need to repent of? And they both repent. Don't things get better? You know, so you got that situation, but, you know, Paul's just saying... And that was in Romans 15, 5. He goes, I just want you to become mature. And then you get along with one another. Sometimes we go, well, I just don't know what to pray for you about. Well, go and talk to them and say, hey, what's going on in your life? What do you need prayers about? You know, 
you will never have anybody go, my life is so perfect, I, don't need, I can't think of a single thing that I need you to pray for me about. They'll always come up with something. And then you know. They say, even if you don't know, you've got a good list of stuff to pray about. But imagine what's going on in the spiritual realm if we are all praying for each other in that way. So pray for each other. Have a list. You go, I'm forgetful. Then write down the people that you're going to pray for. You say, well, that's kind of mechanical. No, your heart doesn't need to be mechanical. But if it helps you remember things, then that's good. Okay? So pray for each other. Then the third thing I want to talk about is we help each other grow by admitting our mistakes. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 25. It says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Yeah, I love what Paul says. He goes, okay, we all belong to each other, so tell the truth. Be honest. You make a mistake, own it. You sin, own it. If you're weak in an area, own it. Be honest. Be open. Let's, let's get real with each other. You know, um, at the beginning of the year, I told you what the one area I needed to go after, and that was my self-discipline because I, I was at an all-time high by four-tenths of a pound. And, and so I said, okay, um, that didn't mean I'm four-tenths overweight. I'm saying I set a new record. Just to make that clear. Just want to be honest. Okay? 214.2. So, I like, okay, I'm going to lose 25 pounds. I got I got to get there. And you know what? And I've been doing doing um, pretty good and it's steadily coming down. And, you know, on Saturday morning, I was all fired up, down 6.6 pounds. And I'm like, yes, you know, that's awesome. And I still hate being on a diet um, a lot. But this morning, I weighed myself and I was down like another six pounds. And I was like, hmm, I'm having a hard time with what the scale's telling me. I'm really encouraged by that number. I'm like, okay, you know, sometimes you get the scale in the wrong place on the floor, so it's like I moved the scale. And we, and we do not have a cheap scale. We got a good one. So I moved it, and, and I weighed myself again. And it said the same thing. So I started getting a little more excited. Um, I said, okay, I still don't trust this. So I showered, and I got ready, and then I, then I weighed again, and it said the same thing. And I go, babe, I, I'm not sure if the scale's accurate um, because it says I lost six pounds in one day. <laughs> and I know what I had for dinner had uh, a higher salt content, which means you retain fluid. And I was actually expecting the number to go up a little. But it said I'm six pounds lower. And so... Wow, maybe I'm cranking. So she weighed, and she goes, yeah, it says I'm six pounds lower, too. Yeah, something's wrong. And like five minutes later, she goes, oh, nope, scaled back to normal. And then I weighed, 
And then I'd only lost 6.6 pounds. So I was kind of bummed because, you know, that six pounds disappeared. But you know what? (laughs) That is the reality of where I am at. You know, sometimes we want to create depth. We want to create honesty. But we want to use a fixed scale. I'm going to just start it at negative 10 and then let's weigh ourselves. You know, you ever go to the doctor's office and they weigh you? I have taken issues with the scale at the doctor's office. Well, I don't agree with your scale because here's what it says. You know what number they put down? The one that their scale said. And then the doc told me, Yeah, I've noticed you've gained weight and you need to lose some. That would be good for your health. Still don't like my diet. (laughs) But we will not live in reality if we're not honest with each other. We will not develop depth. But you know what's really amazing? Go go to James chapter 5. Let's talk about just a couple benefits of honesty. James chapter 5. It says in verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, notice the word of what you get if you confess your sins to each other. It does not say, therefore, confess your sins to each other so that you may be forgiven. And I think sometimes we can view it that way. No, 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 no. Forgiveness and healing are two different things. There's things that we have been forgiven for, but we absolutely are not healed emotionally. What does that mean? We have not forgiven ourselves for what we did, even though God already forgave us. And if we stand before him on judgment day and if we have a pouty attitude because we feel miserable about ourselves and God's like, what's on your mind? And you're like, I just feel lousy. And God's like, why? And you're like, because I did this 36 and a half years ago and I can't get it out of my head. And God's like, what? I don't remember that. I don't have any record of that. That's No, sorry, that must have been somebody else, but it wasn't you. You see, so much of what messes us up is not whether or not God forgives us. It's whether or not we are healed. And one of the best things we can do in our own heart is own our mistakes with other people. You say, because what happens? The weight, the burden goes away. The walls come down. You get closer with people. But by talking about it, you process it, and it's like just all the angst and the pain. It's like, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but healing is a process. But God says, hey, you don't talk about your sins with other people. Even God forgives you. You're not going to be healed. You're still going to be a mess on the inside. Say, be open. You know, the second uh, benefit of honesty, Proverbs 28, verse 13, is you get a fresh start. It says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but whoever renounces them finds mercy. You want mercy? I do. I want a lot of it. You know what mercy is? It's a fresh start when you don't deserve it. All right, clean slate. Don't you wish finances worked that way? 
Okay, credit card bank. I am sorry I was irresponsible. I shouldn't have made that impulse buy. And the bank would go, we will be merciful. Just zero out that debt. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? You'd be like, I love it. This is great. You know what? That's what the Bible says happens to us. When, when we own our sin, when we, when we confess our sin, and you know, the word confess, it means to go with. It means you're owning it. You're, you're acknowledging the sinfulness of what you did. That's what confession is. There's no if, there's no minimization, there's the, no justification. It's just, here's what I did, it was wrong, and it was sinful. That's confession. But it says, you do that, and what do you get? You, you, you get a clean slate. And then finally, the third thing you get, and this is back in James 4, James 4, verse 10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. You remember like as a little kid when there was something you were trying to reach, and you couldn't reach it? And, and you'd say, hey, I need help. And your mom or your dad would come and pick you up and, you know, lift you up so you could get hold of that thing that you wanted. You think about whatever the thing is that we're dealing with in our lives and it's up here and we're like, but I can't reach it. And you can jump and you try so hard and you keep coming up short. And you get frustrated. And you know what God says? Just humble yourself before me. You know what God says? I'll just lift you up. Here. I'll just pick you up and and I'll put you up there. Not because you can jump that high. I will just take you from where you're at and I will help you. You know what the flip side is? If we're proud before God, he's like, all right, you're going to have to do it on your own. Now, which one of us looks at that situation and goes, I'll do it on my own, thanks. I prefer to fail miserably again and again and again and again. You're like, no, I want help. In some cases, we've failed for decades because we haven't done the one thing that God says to do. Humble yourself before me and I will lift you up. You know, when you get help from the right source, isn't it awesome? Yeah, everyone helped by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing? Like you're, you're kind of thinking, I actually think I might know more about this subject than you, even though you're supposed to be helping me. You know, God is always the expert. It doesn't matter what we're going through. God says, I got this. Oh, yeah. You're like, God, I need help. My self-control, I'm 25 pounds high. And God's like, I'm strong enough to lift you and your extra 25 pounds of friendship. God's like, I, I got it. Okay, I can get you there. We all want that. That's benefit of honesty. But we've got to be willing to go there. We've got to be able to willing to admit our mistakes, our sins, where we're weak. We've got to just be open with each other when we talk about it. And all these things are waiting. 
You say, why? It strengthens relationships. Say, how can we help each other grow? By affirming each other's worth. We care about each other so much that we accept each other, we give attention to each other, we give appreciation to each other. Secondly, pray for each other. And I gave you a good list, probably eight different prayers that you can pray from the Bible for somebody else. And finally, we help each other grow by admitting our mistakes. You know what? Nobody will ever lose respect for you to admit your mistakes. They actually lose respect when you don't. Because they all know that you sin, and so when you don't admit it, then they think, well, then you're just prideful and hide your sin, too. When we admit our mistakes, we grow together. You know, each one of us plays a part. Why? Because we belong to all the others. You say, whose responsibility is it? All of ours. God did not create us as individuals to live out Christianity alone. He's given us a room full of people to enjoy Christianity, to help each other, and to strengthen each other together. Let's put these things into practice. Let's stand as we close in a final song.